from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. We had some uh, good news and some bad news today. Good news is we're back. Obviously, we're still a country. Everything's working uh, the way it's supposed to so far. Uh, bad news is Justine's not here today. Sorry, Justine. Good night. Sorry, Justine. Oh, it's her dad's birthday. Night. It's her dad's birthday. She couldn't make it today. You know, you would think that she would have known a week ago that it was her dad's birthday, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> she doesn't plan ahead very well. We are not going to talk about that. Uh, welcome back, everybody. How you guys all doing? Everybody's doing well? Yeah, surviving. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, just waiting to see what's going to happen. Yeah, we're all just waiting to see what's going to happen with the uh, with the other shooter drop. When we left you last, we were waiting. It was... Uh, we're still waiting on word uh, from the uh, election, and now um, on Saturday the race was called in favor of Joe Biden, and now uh, up to uh, Wednesday we have not heard a concession from uh, Donald Trump, no concession speech, I don't and think uh, we will. and he's uh, just continuing to function as if he will be president uh, next year. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the way it works in our country. Even if uh, the there there was found to be mass uh, fraud, which uh, there will not be. Uh, I can assure you, uh, his term ends uh, on uh, at midday on the twentieth. So he is out no matter what. So I'm not sure what he thinks he's doing. Um, I know that he has not contacted the Biden transition team as all, of yet. He wants all eyes on him. So until they escort him out on the twentieth, he's just going to make it as ugly as possible. So he's got his attention. <laughs> That's about all he can do. It's like a kid holding his breath, like a five-year-old holding his breath because he's not getting his way. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me the way it's gone. Uh, he sets this up a no. long time ago. He's been he's been talking about election fraud since the last election, and uh, you know, it's right. it's an idea. It's the idea that he's hedging his bets. He doesn't want to be called a loser to him. That's the ultimate uh, insult, and he has lost. Um, the people have spoken, although not as uh, not as many people as uh, as I thought would speak out against. Mm. Uh, no, such that's a, too bad. Such such a regime, but uh, you know, enough people have spoken out that the election went the other way, and and uh, Biden won the popular vote, which has got to just drive him up a tree because that's what he was harping on, even when he won, was you know the popular vote. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, not only did you lose, but. <laughs> Get lost by the popular vote too. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, well, we're you know we'll we'll let you know what happens. Uh, for now, don't worry, guys. He's still waiting for his mail-in votes to come in. Yeah, for now. Uh, I mean, our you know our punction, our, our punction. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say. That our podcast will function uh, pretty much as it has been the last uh, seven years that we've been around. Eight years, uh, seven years. It'll be eight in uh, January. But um, yeah, it, we're gonna keep doing things the way we do things here and uh you know um there are a lot of calls for uh civility now and there are a lot of people saying you know if you know even if uh, you just remember how it felt when when you lost you know four years ago and to them i offer uh this piece of advice suck it 
uh, because uh, this isn't about uh, Republicans and Democrats. This is about somebody sh- supporting uh, an, uh, an administration that was cruel for four years. And there were people that went to bed every night for the last four years wondering if they were going to be able to stay in the country or have health insurance or stay married to the person that they're married to. Um, this this was real for a lot of people. This is a real danger. This isn't something abstract like, hey, these these people might lose their jobs if this guy gets elected. It's like, no, this person was actively working to undermine uh, the safety and security of people that live in this country. So, um, you know what? I'm okay with people being angry about this and uh, not forgiving people. And I know that sounds terrible, but... Uh, you know, these wounds take time to heal. And for a lot of people, it was a rude awakening, especially the second time to see after four years of this, uh, the people that would still support someone like that, many of whom are friends and relatives. So, uh, yeah, this is not going to be something that people just get over. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who are deeply and truly tra- traumatized by things that happened uh, this last four years. So, you know, if you're one of those people that's saying, hey, we can all be friends, uh, you can suck it. So that's all. That's that's and re- remember the the reflections of of the host don't necessarily uh, reflect uh, those uh, feelings of the other pe- members of the podcast. Uh, no, I'm cool. You <laughs> 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 know what's great? Fuck them. <laughs> what's great is uh, Biden shows you exactly what kind of person he is because when he gave that acceptance speech, he oh says for God. all of you, for all of you who voted for Trump, he says I. I've lost a few myself. I know what you're going through. Now that's civilized. <laughs> that is civilized. You know, the guy's for real. So when he's I got a lot more that, charity. I he's got more charity in his heart than, uh, you know, the present guy. Well, than I do. He well, has more charity in his heart than yeah. I do. I'll tell you that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm glad that we got somebody like that. who's president. It's been a while, you know, well, it's well, also- it, was, it was nice to finally hear his acceptance speech and, you actually for the first time in like you know four years to hear someone speak presidential that was uh <laughs> that was wonderful <laughs> you go oh, just, oh yeah speak like a so, leader I said, entire country i remember to feel like and not like a schoolyard bully it's like oh coherent sentences oh yeah i remember that that was like uh, like a speech right and yeah. but by, by the way yeah. while, while we're talking about that uh kamala harris's uh, speech uh, also Dude, fantastic. fantastic too. Also, and didn't just parrot what um, you know what the president was saying. It's, it was this, or what Joe Biden was saying. Uh, and uh, let, let's talk about it. Now we have a we not only have a woman, you have a multicultural woman in the, in the White House. I'm uh, really excited to see what she does. Fantastic, and you know, and 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 Biden's wife is an educator. She's going to keep her job, and now you know we're going to get rid of Betsy DeVos finally. So maybe we'll Thank get God. education back on track and. And uh, start, you know, believing in science and things like that again and not, man. But here's the, I mean, the, we talked about this. I mean, obviously, Mitch McConnell will continue to be a thorn in, in Biden's side as he was with Obama. And, uh, you know, so I don't see great changes coming our way, but I think small steps. And, um, and uh, did you hear the, uh, the first thing he's going to do is, uh, Start reversing some of those batshit crazy executive orders. Yep. That's something he can do immediately, yep. mm-hmm. and he's going to put us right back in the Paris Climate uh, Paris Climate Conference. We're, and uh, he's also going to put us back in the uh, World Health Organization. That's like the first day he's going to do that. Nice. Uh, I'm. 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 Of course. You know. Um, now listen. 
Uh, just because I voted for somebody or I'm supporting uh, somebody doesn't mean I won't be critical of them. Uh, you know, I've, I've harped on this before. You know, we need to get those those families back together and those kids out of those cages. And uh, and uh, I'm looking for that to happen hopefully soon, quickly, hopefully quickly. I don't want it to be a situation that drags out. Um, but, yeah, I, I have a lot of hope for what's going to happen and, and, you know, reverse reversing some of this. You know, at least at least he's a decent human being. I don't think he's going to be perfect, but at least this is a decent guy. I mean, I don't think he's faking that. You know, no, <laughs> I think he's actually got some empathy. He's been around a while. I think he knows how things work and he doesn't want us to be just the clowns of the globe, you know. Yeah, I I, I I get that from you as well. And like again, no candidate is perfect. Uh, we all know that. And uh, even the presidents that I like, uh, who I admire, have uh, you know, you look at FDR, you look at everything he did, and then well, we have internment camps, you know. So yeah. you know, there's there's every there's good and bad with every president, and um, and so uh, of course he's not going to be perfect. But yes, anything is better than what we have now. And I think. Um, when, when, Absolutely. What I'm hearing a lot of is the um, on the other side as well. You guys, you know, as usual, uh, people wanted to vote because they wanted free stuff and they wanted this and they wanted that. It's like, no, no, no. This time we just want to get rid of. Let's get rid of the guy in charge. Let's let's just let's vote him out and then we can move forward because we can't move forward as long as he's he's fanning the flames of division and that's exactly what he does because that's how he stays. That's how he stays relevant, and like you said, John, that's that's where that's how he gets paid attention to. You know, he gets all this the nice ar- thing is, the ardor uh, from his supporters. Republicans, I think a lot of Republicans voted for Biden because they're just yep. like, we can't continue, we can't continue like this. You know, I know several. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. I have some conservative friends who decided to. They, I mean, look, if you're a decent person and you have any, if you've been paying any attention. To what's gone on this last four years? There's no way you can be. Uh, there's no way you can say I want four more years of this. There's no way. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't. I don't understand that mentality. And um, I, you know, I, I just you know you just throw your hands up and move on. Uh, but you're right, John. Uh, he does seem empathetic. He does seem like he has. You know, he. It, it's it's. A, listen, listen. People that know what's at stake and people that have seen you know the last four years we've had democracy being chipped away uh the people who don't want that are the ones who came out to vote against them and that's that's the bottom line i think yeah i don't think you're wrong i don't well i mean i'm the host i'm never wrong but uh just kidding Hate to break it to you. Well, that's enough for everybody's. But you guys are all good, right? I mean, I know Jake's a big, uh, big. You know, he's a, he was big Donny T guy, and uh, Jake was it hard taking down the Trump twenty twenty cents from the yard? How was that? No, I burned them down. <laughs> oh, but you had him up. Looks like, yeah, they they were. Like, uh, I'm not amused. Uh, I kid, of course, I kid. But yeah, what an acrimonious, uh, what an acrimonious uh, campaign uh, cycle. I mean, it was just it, you. You felt a sigh of relief from the world as soon as it was called. I was too young to live through Watergate, and so this, this for me was. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this administration or this election cycle. 
and I've never seen, yeah. I've never, it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, what, what the things I've witnessed this last four years, um, it's, it's, uh, it's unprecedented. It's, you got people like John Dean who went through Watergate. It's like, no, it wasn't <laughs> not quite like this. You know, people that were actually caught up in it said, no, a little different this time around, you know, yeah, this guy was going to burn the house down, mm-hmm. you know, while sitting up on the roof fiddling, you know, he's just, no, it's all about him. So I'm just glad and it was a record amount of people voting. That was kind of cool too. Uh, for, you know, the breakdown's kind of scary. Yeah. You still got that many people voting for Trump, but this was the most, this is the biggest turnout in a hundred years. I think, uh, Nixon had the, had, at least had the decency to feel shame for what he did and, uh, resign, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what, what, say what you will about Nixon. He at least had the, you know, he had the, you know, he felt enough shame to say, well, I need to do this. I need to step down. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, January 21st, the indictments start, right? Yeah. That's going to, that's going to be interesting. That, that all that, yeah, all that is going to no be no more protection. No more protection. Once he's after the 20th, no more protection for state crimes. They'll, they'll be looking for him. Yeah, he can he can so. he can be pardoned. He's he's a, immune from federal crime. He has what you guys might call diplomatic immunity. <laughs> hey, well, immunity revoked. Hey, how about revoked, that? Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, John, you know what song I've had uh, stuck in my head the last week? Uh, the Ewo- uh, what? The Ewok celebration song. When they when they finally yeah, take down the empire, a lot of people doing. You've seen all the memes of they show people celebrating in Washington and New York and Philadelphia. Then they show the Ewoks dancing. <laughs> well, let, let me just tell you guys. Look, if you're on the other side of this and you're mad that we're 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 happy that he's gone, think of the last time you saw people cheering in the streets like that for for someone you know there's a reason that that so many people came out <laughs> against him there's a reason that the the world was celebrating and it wasn't necessarily because Biden was the strongest candidate or everybody's favorite it was the it was more of the fact that we don't have to deal with this other guy anymore and that's really what people and are the celebrating other, yeah the rest of the the rest of the world too they were you know what i mean you know all over the world people were like like oh finally you know imagine if you're in France or Germany or Italy or Canada or anywhere, you know, it's like, oh, finally, we can talk to somebody who can talk to us, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I'm glad you guys are all okay. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're okay here in the old U.S. of A. Uh, you know, so we'll uh, we, we'll see. We still got 70, 70 plus days to get through. So who knows what's going to happen? And right now, it looks well, like we're he's going to make it too. It looks like he's cleaning house and taking out people who were not loyal to him and or people who felt were disloyal and and uh, just you know a public shaming, I guess. But uh, he's making some moves in the Pentagon that have me kind of worried. But we'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, and uh, hopefully, God willing, we'll get through this, and we'll 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 move on to a better day. And uh, you know, for the also for those of you that said that uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, well, you know, this whole uh, coronavirus is going to disappear uh, right after election day. It's like, uh, nope, still here, worse than before. No, uh, no, worse than before. So we're breaking records for number of cases set. John, I didn't see the governor's address yesterday. Did they make any changes to uh, any of the larger counties? Did anybody fall back into the, uh, into the, the, the highest? Um, I didn't see that yesterday. 
I didn't either. John, I, de- uh, I, de- I did not. I depend on you for current events. Jake, did you happen to hear anything about that? Not a thing. Okay. At least, at least we have a president. We're going to have a president that doesn't deny that doesn't deny that it's there. That's a start. That the president doesn't deny that there is a problem. Exactly. There, you know. Well, he's already he, he's already put his team together. He's already put his team. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, you know, Trump will probably fire Dr. Fauci, and then Biden can just re <laughs> Biden can just rehire him. You're you're right, John. It's really like it's really like you know this kid's throwing a fit and breaking everything in his room, yeah. and then mom and dad have to go in there and put everything back together. You know. You know, Biden's going to sit there patiently with a, a super glue and put the Dr. Zaya statue back together, you know, but um, <laughs> the best thing I heard, the best thing I heard all week is somebody said, you know, it's the old analogy. Um, you don't wrestle a pig. You both get dirty and the pig likes it. <laughs> so, <it's> like, <laughs> so don't do it. Just don't give me oxygen, you know? Oh, that's great. Uh, that is great. Uh, but uh, yeah, a cautiously optimistic right now is how I feel. But boy, what a turnaround for for 2020 for me personally. <laughs> I mean, and that's everything. That's the the name of the podcast. Everything is about me. You had your Lakers and your Dodgers. <laughs> you have your Lakers and your Dodgers back on top, and then Biden pulls the trifecta. What a great what a great way uh-huh. to close it out, man. Uh-huh. Man, the hat trick. Somebody on uh, somebody posted a meme and it said, uh, "I don't know about you guys, but." 2020 started to turn around when this guy showed up and it was a picture of the guy on the skateboard drinking the uh, cranberry juice. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Holy God, you're right. The one singing up. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. See, yeah. Fleetwood Mac. John, how do you feel about a Fleetwood Mac? I've never asked you that. Do you like, uh, you like a Fleetwood Mac? Is that something that you enjoy? Yeah. I like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I like all three of them. I like, I like when they were a blues band in the sixties. Mm-hmm. I liked all that stuff in the middle, and I like I like the Stevie Nicks, uh, Lindsey Buckingham stuff. Yeah, it's uh, like three. It's like three bands basically. <laughs> uh, w- w- Steve, who else was in Fleetwood Mac? What's the Steve, Stevie Nicks? Uh, well, because it, it changes. I, mean, I at know. The beginning, it was. Uh, you know, Peter Green passed away this year. Oh, that's and right. He was in the original Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, that's and right. That, that's when it was a blues band. And then in the seventies, they kind of morph into more of like a into like a well, not pop, but you know, melodic yeah, rock. It was good, but you know, yeah, but uh, it was good stuff, you know. Um, oh, there's a yeah, lot you know, of people in Fleetwood Mac. Son of a bitch. What? I mean, Peter Green was like another Eric Clapton. He was like a really good blues guitarist. A uh, BB King said he never heard anything. I mean, this is coming from BB King. He said he never heard a tone like that. He said you could always tell it was Peter Green. Oh, nice. Now, getting like. Praise like that from B.B. King means you're pretty good. You yeah, know? sure. But after three albums, he left the band after three albums and kind of, you know, went a little went a little nuts um, and had mental problems and stuff. And then over the last 20 years, he came back and made some albums and kind of, you know, but it became a whole nother band when he left. It kind of became more of like a like a middle of the road pop band. Didn't do too much. But then by the time Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined in the mid seventies, then it becomes this, this powerhouse of hits, you know, yeah, every yeah, album yeah. just had hit after hit after hit. And it's good stuff, you know? So, um, what the hell? Uh, and Stevie Nicks, uh, John, if I recall easy on the eyes, is that correct? Uh, I think everybody had a Stevie Nicks poster, that one where she's like, uh, got the suede boots and the granny skirt. She was just a knockout. Uh, Absolute John, knockout. let me ask you this question. Young John Sandy, seventies, John Sandy, 
fresh out of a yes. fresh out of a screening of uh, Star Wars, does this John Sandy yes. does he gravitate towards a Stevie Nicks or does he gravitate towards a Carly Simon? <laughs> I think uh, I was gravitating toward a Linda Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know but between those two, if you had to go those two. Oh, um, probably Stevie Nicks. Stevie yeah, Nicks. Okay. For sure. All right. All right. Uh, well, John, I'll tell you one thing about Carly Simon. Nobody does it better. Uh, <laughs> uh, which which nobody's room? Got, nobody's got a better uh, nobody's got a better uh, smile than Carly Simon. <laughs> basically, uh, uh, that's true. That's true. Well, except the, the lady on that one uh, Cars album cover. Uh, <laughs> I think that is Carly Simon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, John, uh, you, we bringing up. Carly Simon. Let me tell you guys what happened over the weekend. Uh, so first of all, over the weekend, Voodoo had a big sale on a bunch of digital movies, and there was a lot of 80s stuff in there. And I started picking through it, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna pick this up. I'm pick up." So I've actually expanded uh, our movie list for a couple of weeks. Uh, what I'm trying to do is kind of just get us to the holidays, and then um, we'll kick the 90s off in the new year. So I've kind of got us enough that we we have enough material that we can make it to the but here's what voodoo did without telling anyone a few years a few about a year or two ago i bought the different collections of the bonds and they weren't complete collections so when i bought the sean connery collection it was dr no goldfinger you only live twice and thunderball and from russia with love i had to buy separately so that's how they got into you know our collection this was before we started the Digital Movie Club. And they had a Roger Moore collection. The Roger Moore collection was Live and Let Die, which we covered. Man with a Golden Gun, which we also covered. Uh, For Your Eyes Only, I'm sorry, um, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, all of which we covered. Somehow, over the weekend, or sometime in the last few months, since the last time I was looking at those, they threw in all of the movies under that, particular bond so they expanded uh uh thank god right of the 70s because they threw in diamonds are forever with sean connery and uh here's the bad news for justine they added the 80s roger moore movies free of charge so they've been sitting in my collection for god knows how long and they're in there now so we're actually adding some james bond movies but to balance it out I will, we're going to pick up some more. I picked up some other things here. So we will be redoing the schedule for, so for next week for the digital movie club, uh, things will be the same. It will be when Harry met Sally and diner next week, John. Great. So I think that's a great combo because we're kind of opening and then the, it's the end of the eighties and the, in the beginning. But so we have some exciting news for, for Patrick and bad news for Justine more Roger Moore, buddy. How do you feel about that, Patrick? I'm so excited. And we're actually doing a, we're actually doing the it's, bad action scenes, fantastic goofy gadgets. Well, no, I'll tell you what, love. John. I don't think you've ever seen it, but for your eyes only is actually probably one of his best ones. It's probably it, uh, it, never never it, seen it. It's probably the it's probably the most. It's the I would say it's the the Roger Moore movie that's most like a Connery movie. Uh, very, very minimal gadgets and very much a you know, a more, a little bit more of a cold blooded blonde. And it's really good for, for Roger Moore. And then, uh, so we're going to be adding, we will be adding, get ready for, we're adding for your eyes only 
and this is where the good news is comes for Jake because he's going to have fun saying this in his Sean Connery voice. We're adding Octopussy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we're adding uh, View to a Kill, which is the terrible one, but you get Christopher Walken, and it's also one of Home Video Hustle's favorites. So we're going to throw that in there. So I'll. I'll You know what? Yes. I'm taking notes. I'll do. If you're going to do a View to. If you're going to do a view to a kill, you really ought to, if you're going to let us watch a view to a kill, you really ought to do diamonds are forever. Listen, John, you don't tell me what to do on my own show, but (laughs) I just said you should, I didn't say, well, 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 what's going to happen is we're going to end up going back when we do our, our, our decade. Cause where there's other stuff we have to pick up from way back, but we'll do that. You mean decade? Decade. Yeah. We'll do that. Start of the year. So we're going to kick it off and then we'll probably get into the nineties somewhere around next summer. But, um, uh, I'm just kidding, uh, but I'm not. Uh, but then the rest you, of the movies that you really want you you want us to see a view to a kill. <laughs> well, I think we should. I think look, we need we need. Well, it's one of first of all, it's in the collection, and then second of all, <laughs> the rules we gotta watch. We, yeah, then second of all, uh, I think it, it. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a favorite of our friends over at Home Video Hustle. So um, okay, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Because honestly, John, I think you're really gonna dig um, for your eyes only. And Octopussy is not bad, aside from a bad title. It's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good Roger Moore movie. Um, it's about an eight legged cat, right? It's about an eight legged cat. That's right. It's an eight legged cat bus. That was the original title for uh, My Neighbor Totoro, and then they changed it <laughs> because of uh, Cubby nice. Broccoli. Um, that is a great. Why did I never call the the bus Octopussy? That's great, John. Or um, Patrick, that's brilliant. Credit should be scarring innocent children. Kuda, or very wonderful children. You already saw the 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 what you call it with the big webos, the um to, the tanukis. Pompoka. Yeah, yeah. You've already done that. That's for days. <laughs> so I'll give you guys he the rest of this nuts. I'll give you, I'll give you guys the rest of the movies off air, but uh, for now, n- next week stays the same, and then we'll we'll kind of figure out. Um, I want I want to figure out what what's easiest for you guys to get. Um, as far as because I know John, sometimes you have to get a hold of these. Um, so I want to figure I've out. Been, I've been um, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've, I, I've had pretty good luck. Uh, when I can't get a physical copy, I'm had pretty good luck. Uh, getting things on Google Play. One of these is going to be super easy to get. One, one for sure. But we're going to add. Uh, we're adding. We're, so we're actually going to. This is going to take us right up to the holidays. We have a couple uh, coming up. So um, we'll go over those off air. A couple of uh, news items aside from the big uh, election here. Uh, guess what Friday is, guys? Aside from being, I believe, Friday the thirteenth this year. Friday is the birthday of one of our special friends, uh, sometime uh, pons- sponsor of the show, Ponser, I almost said. A sometime Ponser. Ponser sounds like English slang for something, and uh, that that's fitting because it's 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 our friend, the Lily Pot. It's her birthday Friday. So Happy birthday, wow. we won't be recording Friday. So, guys, you know what we have to do? We got to do it now. 
We got we to gotta wish her a happy birthday. You know how we do. You know how we do here on the old superiority complex. Are you guys ready? Sing horribly. <clears throat> Everybody get in full voice. <clears throat> For clear, the <clears throat> clear those mustachian tubes. Here we go. <clears throat> red leather, yellow lover. Red leather, yellow lover. Red leather, yellow lover. Nom, 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 Peas and carrots, peas and Fruit carrots. Fruit cups. Fruit cups. Fruit cups. Okay, here we go. Ready? <clears throat> Piston. <laughs> Which one uh, are we singing? Uh, we're we're going to sing uh, We're gonna sing the old traditional English happy birthday. Are you ready? Is that, okay. is that a traditional English song? Here we go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> here we go. It's not copyrighted. That's what we do now. A one, two... And a one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to Many more. I love that you guys are delayed. <laughs> I know it's great. Like we're all jacked up and it's uh, like a hot mess. Beautiful. Estas son <laughs> las mañanitas que canta el rey David hoy por ser día de tu santo. How's that? You like sound good? Nice. Pretty hot. That's from Coco. Thank you very much. Uh, guys. Mr. President. That's what I said. Happy birthday, Lilypot. Thanks for being such a good friend. And uh, they are unfortunately on lockdown back in, again in the UK. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh. And, and, you know, uh, she's trying to get, uh, she just got things going again with the, with the business. And she has some, uh. I think she's going to be doing an online wreath making course there uh, in in the UK so she's you know she's doing okay right now but of course you know our thoughts are with you and we hope you guys stay healthy and happy over there and uh, please uh, please take care of yourself but have a happy birthday <laughs> and try to enjoy yeah. your day uh, I mean how can, she's probably going to rewind that no less than seven or eight times and listen to us sing that no she'll fast forward she doesn't want to listen to that that was trash. no that was that was beautiful or maybe, or maybe she's going to delete it maybe she'll delete it just that portion of the show you think she made it yeah. this far? I don't know. Has she given up yet? <laughs> Does she ever make it this far? Well, listen, her birthday present. Listeners? Her birthday present for us is she's getting three more Roger Moore movies. She's a huge James Bond fan. Uh, ah, so what's her favorite? Uh, she's told me this, and because I'm a terrible and self-absorbed person, I don't remember. So, she's a but fan. I believe she she's a big Roger Moore fan. She's a big Roger. Okay, there you go. She's a big Roger. Respect. There you go. She's a big Roger Moore guy. Should we do Goldeneye? Yes. In the nineties. Yeah, that's a good one. You guys want to add a? Tell you what, just (laughs) since every single James Bond movie, John, since I'm making you watch Video Kill, we'll do Goldeneye. Okay, that makes up for it. When it comes to Justine is going. Justine's going to go. You're shitting me. You don't even like Pierce Brosnan. You're doing this just to hurt me. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me one show she missed. We're changing all the movies. Let me ask you guys this, John. Honestly, let me let me cut to you. Should we do Never Say Never Again? It's not an official. I can't rem- it's not an. It's o- not an official Bond movie, and I can't remember if it's any good. I probably haven't seen it since the '80s, but it is a young Kim Bassinger, and um, 
It's the last time Sean Connery played James Bond. It's kind of a remake of Thunderball, and I can't remember if it's any good. Let me, let me tell you what's <laughs> weird. Sean Connery actually looks in better shape in Never Say Never Again than he does in Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, yeah, he actually, I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. Uh, the only thing about uh, Diamonds Are Forever is you do get to see a Las Vegas that is no longer there. That is you true. You really get a great tour. They, they do all these car chases and running through these casinos and hotels that are just not there anymore. The whole, the whole Las Vegas looks completely different than it does in that movie. That is true. So it's a time capsule. And you also get to see plenty O'Toole. Uh, and yes, of course. And the great uh, Jill St. John. Let me, but let me tell you guys something. I am a, let me tell you, I indulge my children. I spoil my children. <laughs> All right. I'm like Don Corleone. And what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up watching Every god dang Pierce Brosnan movie because I'm weak. That, that's, that's what's going to end up happening. Well, I'm, just, I'm just telling you guys happened? that right now. Because if I do Goldeneye, then Michelle yep. Yeoh is in, well. is in Tomorrow Never Dies. And I love Michelle Yeoh. I'm a sucker for Michelle Yeoh. So then we're doing that. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's, that's, I think we have to watch it just so Justine gets to experience all the bonds. <laughs> you know what? I think Mario must have had a near death experience. I can't imagine why he's doing why is he doing this? <laughs> I think she needs to experience James Bond in its entirety in order like for her to really get appreciation for, tell you what, for the frame. Tell you what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna leave it up. This is the Lily Potts birthday present. We're gonna leave Justine's fate in the Lily Potts hands. No. And I'm gonna yes. say I'm gonna ask her. We're asking her now, Lily Pot, should we watch all of the James Bond movies. That's her gift. Every single she gets to decide. At this point, it's only four. Five of you count. So you gave, we're only adding four. Really I think we're only adding four or five. Five of we do Never Say Never. How many did Brosnan do? Four? Uh, Pierce Brosnan did four. Okay. Yeah. At this, at this point, it's four movies. So what the hell? I mean, we. I mean, look. Yeah, might as well, right? I'll sit through them again. And then should also have the option of saying if we watch Never Say Never again. Well, that's what I'm saying. Should we watch all of them? All of I already have. We have all of the uh, all of the Daniel Craig's are going to be covered. So that the Daniel Craig is coming. So I mean, you, you can't stop that Daniel Craig, you know. But and uh, since we just lost, since we just lost Sir Sean Connery, perhaps we should watch. The, the only two we haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, Justine you know. Likes Pierce Brosnan too. Who's that? I think Justine likes Pierce Brosnan. What if she? What if that's what, what she's been? You say. What if that's? What if that's what she's been waiting for? What if she loves the Brosnan ones? <laughs> yeah, hey. I'll be so angry. I think we got to commit to it and do it. Well, you, you know, know, she's gonna say. I think she's, she's gonna it. say. She's gonna say, "I'm gone for one show, and look what they do." Yep. Well, that's what happens when you miss. <laughs> and she listens, so she'll be like, fuck all of you. I'll She's, get a text message. She is punching like, the roof of the car right now from inside the car. Yep. She's she's, yeah. pu she's punching the seat like Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, in the future, ah! she's calling me and yelling at me and being like, how did you let this happen? Oh, that's great. That's great. I love what? it. I'll tell you what. Yeah. So happy birthday, Lilypot. Let us know what we where we need to go. It's basically a choose your own adventure. Um, Ooh, <laughs> uh, by the way, guys, by the way, guys, two of our, uh, if you haven't seen, we, we mentioned them earlier, uh, Brent, uh, from home video hustle, they're doing a little like a MSTK 
three MSC three K kind of thing. He and PJ are, are starting to riff on videos on uh, YouTube, and they have a, <laughs> they have a bunch of uh, Brent's early shorts. Brent Brent did a bunch of little short films uh, a, a few years ago. Young Brent, and uh, and so they're riffing on Brent's uh, stuff. Go check it out. And also, if you like commentary tracks, our friend uh, Renee is doing with his partner over at Keeping Up of the Nerds are doing commentary tracks now. And they just dropped their first one for um, for The Mandalorian. So you, you queue up The Mandalorian and you, you start the commentary track and you can hear mm-hmm. Renee uh, right there with you as you watch uh, The Mandalorian. So check that out. Those are Keeping Up with the Nerds and Home Video Hustle. Please check those. Two, two of our good friends over there. And it was good to see Renee. I saw him last week. It's fantastic. Good to see him. But uh, speaking of Mandalorian, did you guys like this episode this week? Uh um. Yeah, the kid ate boba a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so fucked up. Like that's, that kid, he just kept eating. That's shit. two episodes in a row with boba. Hey. Uh, it was cute. Um, I had a lot. Of, it was a fun one. I mean, I don't think they got a lot accomplished, but it was fun. And you got a little nod to Alien with those creepy snow spiders, and it was interesting. It I was feel. Fun. I feel like it's going to have some ramifications down the line somehow like that frog lady is going to end up being important you got to maybe see, you yeah. got to, you got to see a little bit of how the rebellion now that they're in power how they're you know how, how they're running things and you know the empire is still still there they're trying to eradicate all of the empire which we know they won't because the empire becomes the new order so um or the first order what is it the new order the first order first order okay first order yeah yep yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool little episode. It was fun. Nothing it like was, you said. It was, it was a, fun. It was cute. It was a little one off adventure. It was a little one off. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you got to see a little uh, little boba. A little, little, so yeah. And then I liked that the very last scene you see him eating one more, and you're just like, son of a bitch, come on. I was shocked. <laughs> you know, when he first put this, his hand up to the glass, you're like, oh yeah, it's like great. The, you know, they're responding to his life force, and then next thing you know, he's eating them. It's fantastic. I love. <laughs> He's quirky like Yoda. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yoda it, hasn't he eaten a frog before, though. He's eaten a frog before, yeah. right? He's fro- it's like his favorite snack. He eats frogs all the time. Yep. So of course he's going to want the eggs. Why would like you? any child? He, he just eats whatever he can shove into his mouth. That's it. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, it's in front of him. He's going to put it in there. Listen, guys. Let's talk. Uh, okay, that's it. I think we're we're all caught up on uh, old business. Uh, go out and get your Xbox or your PlayStation today. It's launch day. Uh, go, go. Uh, yeah, I've heard rumors the PlayStation's already having issues. Yeah, I guess like a, there's a data a data build that's causing uh, a storage issue. Yeah, yeah it's, it's causing it to brick. It's brick. Yeah, yeah. So buy your buy an extended warranty. That's yeah, what, or you know just wait a little bit. That's the only wait until they issues. Yeah, I was wondering. I was thinking I was going to get one, and then I heard that, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, yeah." I usually wait, I'll wait like six months or so before after the first console comes out, just to make sure like they iron out a lot of the kinks. Mm-hmm. And then you can just buy a bunch of the good games up front, and you're set for a while. Did you say the kinks? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. We don't teach them. Uh, I do. Uh, I do want to play the new Miles Morales uh, Spider Man, but I guess I could play it on my uh, PS4. I've seen some of it already. It looks beautiful. Yeah, see, that's the thing. But is the difference between the four and the five going to be that much? Is it going to be graphics wise? Will I be like? Yeah, I, I've seen some of it. it looks beautiful. Hmm. hmm. 
What's what's the standard warranty they give you on a on a on a console these days if it bricks? How many how much time do you a have? Year? Huh? A year, I think. Year warranty. A year, I think. Year warranty. I believe so. I don't know. So you brick it, you, you take it back, and then you're done. That's it. It's no big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's I. That's like I said. That's why I wait. I rushing into it. Well, you know, hey, it's nice to get it on lunch day. Lunch, lunch day. There's not very many games you can play right out the gate. Launch. Lunch day. Yes, lunch. Definitely. Well, it's supposed to have 99% <laughs> compatibility with PS4 titles, right? Yeah. I haven't really looked at the Xbox. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure that's pr- pretty much the same. I'm sure. Any reason you would buy the Xbox is thrown out the window because Halo is coming out on some multiple different consoles. All the exclusive games are coming. <laughs> yeah. Don't you worry. You buy the better console. <laughs> I love it. You think the Xbox the is? You think the PlayStation is superior to the Xbox? Uh, it usually is, but people tend to buy the Xbox because of the console exclusives, like Halo and Halo and Fable. That's uh, not even Fable anymore. It's basically for Halo and like one or two other games that I can remember. But uh, well, I used to get the reason I got a PS4 is because I was tired of not being able to play baseball. Honest to God. That's really why I bought a PS4. Mm-hmm. I was sick of not being able to play video game baseball, which is like my favorite thing. So uh, that tells you what a nerd I am. Speaking of uh, internet baseball, I mentioned the guys that the Dodgers won this year, World Series 2020. No, no. no tell, okay. what tell me, tell me how, how it went down. <clears throat> Just so you know, the Dodgers won a World Series 2020 champions. What was the score? Uh, it was a lot to not a lot. I want. What was game one like? Game one was fantastic. How about game two? Uh, game two was okay. Could have could have done better. Game three, okay. great. Yeah. Game four sucked. Mm-hmm. Game five, fantastic. Good 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 adding for Kershaw. Exercise some of those uh, those postseason demons. Okay, and then game six. Wonderful, wonderful. Four mm-hmm. two Dodgers. Four okay. two. That's good. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How do you guys feel? This is great. This is the Lakers one. The Do- this is fantastic. By the way, uh, if you haven't watched it, and I'm just now getting around to it, and people kept telling me about it, but I was like, I'll watch it. When people recommend stuff to me, I get in the mood where like, if enough people recommend something to me, I won't watch it because it's like now I have to wait till the hype has died down. Is that does that make sense to anybody? Say it again. If if a lot of if a lot of people recommend like a show or something to me, I'll wait. Because I have to wait for the hype to die down, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know why it, that does. It just makes you not want to watch it. If enough, so everybody was recommending yeah. the Last Dance, the documentary that ESPN did on the '90 Chicago Bulls team, and I hate the '90 Chicago Bulls, um, but it is a great documentary. It's um, um, available on Netflix now, and it is a wonderful, wonderful documentary, and it is so well done that when they show the Bulls win their first title, which came against the Lakers at the Forum, I immediately, all the, you know, the, the the joy I felt over the last month of the Lakers and the Dodgers both winning, I was immediately in a bad mood following that episode because it reminded me of how crappy I felt when the Bulls won that title uh, against the Lakers. Um, it's very, very well done. And just to say, it also reminded me what a bitch-ass hack 
Isaiah Thomas was. So uh, watch it if you haven't seen it. Even if you don't like sports, it's a fast. It's a fascinating, fascinating documentary. Very just the the ins and outs. If you, if you have any uh, interest in the business side of of things at all, it really shows you how any corporation, any any group of people, can convince themselves that a bad idea is a good idea, and just put themselves on track for 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 disaster so check it out it's really really good the last dance uh highly recommend it which means you guys won't watch it for six months but watch it i'm also hearing the queen's gambit is good but i haven't watched it yet i've not watched it yeah it was good was it yeah like yeah justine justine recommended it to me and uh she she used a bunch of other people have recommended it so uh just want to you know there's only seven episodes so you can binge through it pretty quick Oh, okay. All right. I just got a I got a message that says no internet access. So if, if I drop you guys, you'll know what happened. But we all seem to be working. But he's here. I just thought it because we're too heavy. Guys, let's talk about the let's let's talk about one more thing here. You guys ready? Yantan. 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 You're in the club. Guys, Digital Movie Club. This week, two great movies. Lethal Weapon 2, the second in the Lethal Weapon franchise. A movie I had not seen in a long, long time. And another movie I hadn't seen in a long time. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, as requested by our friend, Justine, Justine, what did you think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It was good. <laughs> uh, Jake, which would you like to begin with? Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Lethal Weapon 2? Let's do Lethal Weapon. All right. Patrick, do you want to kick it off? Lethal Weapon, give us the breakdown, sir. This 1989 movie released on July 7th, my birthday... Uh, got a wow. 7.2 on IMDb, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Richard Donner, with Happy a budget birthday. of $30 million. Uh, It box office $227.9 million. What year were you born, Patrick? This was a success, uh, two years after this, so I wasn't alive yet. You weren't even alive when this movie came out. Um, and how, I'm sorry, it grossed how much? Uh Two hundred and thirty million. Basically. This movie was huge. Twenty-eight. Sorry. This this this. It was huge. fun. This movie was huge. Uh, people forget, I think, how successful of a franchise Lethal Weapon was. Um, it, it came it became a pretty good, pretty good, pretty big franchise, and I think they sprinkled enough movies. They, they did one in the they did another one in the nineties, and then another one. I want to say in the two thousands. I want to say Lethal Weapon Four is like. Early two thousands. Can you check that for 19, me? 1998. Oh, Lethal Weapon Four was nineteen ninety eight. Lethal Weapon Four. Oh, okay. I thought it was maybe. Yes. Okay, because Jet Li's in it, and I was thinking, when was Jet Li big? But I guess Rumble in the Bronx was like ninety six. So. Uh, it had Jet Li, Chris Tucker. Don't tell anybody. Chris Rock. Don't tell anybody. Or Chris Rock. Sorry. Wow. Racist. Um. They fill a very similar niche, both of them. Similar role. Let's talk about in most of their movies. Let's not. Uh, let's talk about Lethal Weapon Two, John. Let's start with you. Coming off of a hot 
franchise, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon kind of took everybody surprised by surprise. Kind of came out of nowhere. Put uh, Mel Gibson on the map. Put Danny Glover on the map, I want to say. Danny Glover, we had seen him before in Silverado and had done some work. He was in Witness, you know. But this was the first movie where he was, Lethal Weapon was the first movie where he was really featured as a co-lead. And uh, this, you know, so we're back with uh, Riggs and Murtaugh. And this movie gets started. It's it's a movie that starts out immediately. Kind of feels like a Raiders of the Lost Ark or a James Bond where you're thrown right in the middle of the action. So, John, what was this like? I, were you, were you, I cannot remember because we did Lethal Weapon last Christmas. Were you a big fan of the original? Uh, I saw all four of them in the theater. Yeah, we loved these. These were great. Um, I, I went back and watched uh, Lethal Weapon 1 before I watched this because I think I gave it kind of a low review. So I thought I'm going to revisit that and see if I was just having a bad week or something because oh nice I thought it's yeah, I think lethal weapon a five yeah that's pretty low I think I would I would uh, if I had to do it today I'd probably give it a few more I'd probably bump it up to like a you know like a seven or something oh nice nice um, yeah I don't know why but that when we watched it I don't know how far back that was but I just kind of went eh this isn't doing it for me it didn't hold up so well. That was but, 2018 uh, thought, in December. Oh. Wow. That was like two years ago. <laughs> yep. Well, I think, think the, so, uh, I think part of the problem was, John, that we, the Dodgers had just lost the World Series to the Red Sox that year. So that's probably what you were feeling, maybe. Um, <laughs> I know what it was, but I thought I thought before I pop in two, I'm going to give uh, number one another shot. And I thought, yeah, this is better than, I re- than you know, whenever we watched it last. So. Okay. I think because uh, it's the it's the chemistry. I think it might have turned me off as all the dopey set pieces, but really, what for me, what makes these movies work is the chemistry between uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Dan Glover. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, even though even though there are some great, you know, every movie has got some great action set pieces. What really makes it work is the uh, you know the chemistry between those two. So um, so yeah. Uh, so watching this one, yeah, I think I had a lot more fun because I, I watched it coming right off the, I watched them back to back. So it was more fun to watch it, you know, just pop the second one in and start right up. There are some, there are some heavy moments but in I this like, one, but this one's much lighter than the first one. Cause you're not getting into the yeah. whole, into the whole, uh, Mel Gibson, like personal, you know, the personal hell of, uh, of officer Riggs. You're not seeing a lot of that in this one. That's what I forgot about the first one is it's the it's not so light. There are some really heavy moments and you wonder if he really does have a death wish, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's, that's, that's why it's great when he finally says, I'll let you know a little secret. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and he goes, I know <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice moment you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> because, uh, you're right. There's some really, there's some really, uh, poignant scenes in that first one that kind of, uh, so I think the next three movies play it a little lighter, but still you've got the moment in this movie where he's face to face with the guy that uh, that put the hit on his wife. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. Um, however, inadvertently, you know, it was inadvertent, but he really rubs it in right before he thinks he's sending <laughs> Riggs down to his watery grave. That's so, right. Um, what I, what I love is this one just starts like straight in the middle. It's almost like an Indiana Jones thing. It starts right in the middle of a of a car chase, mm-hmm. and you're just like, wow, they just drop you right in, you know, and. Uh, it's like you're, you've, you've picked up, you're like dropped in the middle of another movie, you know? And um, that that whole beginning car chase is just uh, wonderfully choreographed. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, some movies, that would be what they would finish. They would finish with that. 
this movie starts with that. So it's pretty much like a calling card, like, you know, okay. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to see uh, Joe Pesci playing someone who's not psychotic, you know. I was just thinking about that. that we he can do comedy. Yeah, this, is, this is 89, so we've seen him so far. We as the group have seen him in, in Raging Bull, and he was great in Raging Bull. But thinking about what, what's coming like in the next few months that we're going to see, we're going to see him stuff like Goodfellas and Casino, and he really kind of made his trademark yeah. as this kind of like psycho character. But here you're watching him, and he's, he's great. He's really funny. He's, he's, he really plays yeah. it well. Um, and, uh, well, like, uh, uh, let's see, what year, was, uh, what year was My Cousin Vinny? 90, I want to uh, say. 1992. 92, okay. yeah. 92. Yeah. So you just um, you forget that he's got comedy chops as well. Uh, you really forget that once you see him in like Casino and Goodfellas, you forget. Oh yeah, this guy can do comedy too. But yeah, I think uh, it, you know this character is annoying, but it, it lends just the right sort of uh, comedy element. You know, uh, to drop him in the middle of the situation. You know that they've got to watch this guy while they're trying to figure out what's going on with exactly. the Krugerrands and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that this kind of makes it more fun. And I love that eventually he just ends up being part of the, you know, they have him go into the consulate and do that whole thing. And they, they start using him as like a, you know, he's kind of like their stooge. Yeah. He's like the third stooge almost. You know? um, well, he pays, he, he pays his dues. That's for sure. At first he's just an annoyance. And then they realize this guy's really, he's gotten beat up. He's gotten, you know, he's, this guy's gone through a lot with us, you know? So yeah. Yeah. But did, so, John, I what? Love the the continued. Re- What's that? I was no, I was. I'm sorry. Continue. I was just going to say, uh, the, uh, Mel Gibson is a huge Three Stooges fan, so you get more of that in this one when he shoots the uh, the uh, fish tank and says, "Eeny, meeny, miny, hey Mo." <laughs> There's plenty of that. Uh, I was going to say, they so even show Three Stooges in this. They do. That's right. That's right. And he throws the remote away. Uh, so. John, did, <laughs> uh, so was this? Did this one hold up? Did you like this one better or less than the first one? Watching them back to back, I think the first one is a little sharper. But this, it's fun just because you want to. The reason people go see these movies, I think, is because they want to hang out with those two characters. So that's that's what you get to do. Anytime you're you're seeing one of these movies, you're hanging out with these two characters. Are just a lot of fun. So I think that's the appeal. You really can't go wrong. There's always going to be a lot of crazy action and car chases and shooting things up. But really what it comes down to is the two of them. And what I love is that scene where the bomb is under the toilet and (laughs) they're just about ready to like, you know, and he's not going to leave the room. He's all, you got to leave. So I'm not leaving without him. He puts on, they put on the, you know, the, the, uh, the bulletproof vests and they, uh, they're going to jump in the, uh, (laughs) they're going to jump in the uh, bathtub. And they just have that moment together where you could tell that what he's going to, what Danny Glover is going to say is, Hey, I love you, man. And he says, you don't even have to say it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, uh, I just think for this kind of movie, that was a, that was a great moment, you know? You don't even have to say it. I I love that they show a lot of, uh, uh, Murtaugh's family and you have that whole dynamic, um, uh, you know, him, you know, he, he really is just like a, you know, he really just wants to be with his family and, you know, be retired and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he gets yeah. keep, he keeps getting dragged into the middle of this stuff by by Riggs. And so you do really fi- – you, you can believe him as, like, this world-weary character. Like, he's put upon – the put-upon dad, and then, you know, he's, like, the put-upon 
uh, you know, partner to Riggs. So I always like those scenes as well. Kind of grounds the whole movie, gives the movie like a little bit of a yeah, heart. And also Riggs, Riggs becomes part of the family. You know, they all kind of like pull him in because it's just him and the dog in that trailer, you know? So they kind of make him an honorary uh, member of the family. I also love the other great line when he's sitting on the toilet with the bomb under him. And he says, you know, to break, you know, the tension is so thick. And he says, why couldn't they have put the bomb in the oven? (laughs) (laughs) And Rick says, yeah, think of, think of all the, think of all the needless suffering that would have been stopped. (laughs) Yeah. You really do feel like just laughing. It seems like genuine laughter, you know. Yeah, it feels like they're real characters. That is the nice thing about this these yeah. movies is, you, like you're right, yeah. John. As ridiculous as many people as you're going to kill with a surfboard, or as many houses you're going to pull down with your <laughs> with your truck, uh, there is yeah. it's grounded in a realistic relationship, and I think that's why. Uh, you know, Nicole. Yeah. So I think that's. Nicole's yeah Nicole's favorite formula is the buddy like the buddy comedy that's her favorite thing and she sat down and she had never seen it unfortunately she didn't realize it was the second one because she came in like right after the they showed you know lethal weapon so she thought that was the first one but uh she really she really enjoyed it she's like oh that was that was fun you know that was that was a very entertaining movie so you know it's it's easy it's it's an easy you know nothing deep but it's they're fun uh, you know, at the end of the day, and you do get. To hey see- Mario, I gotta know. I gotta know if Nicole likes that thing that Shane Black wrote that was kind of a um, a takeoff on these movies called The Good Guys with Russell Crowe and. Oh, we loved and, it. Uh, we loved it. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, we loved it. We both liked it a lot. Yeah. Because boy, talk talk about sending up your own. I think that was Shane Black, wasn't it? He's like sending up his own movies. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Boy, Ryan Gosling is that. That's the movie that changed my mind about Ryan Gosling. Uh, uh, you know, I, he he's really good at playing an idiot in that movie, and uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of just lukewarm about him, whatever, you know. And then then I saw that, and I was like, oh no, this guy, this guy's, this guy knows what he's doing. He's good, you know. And then he made La La Land and tried to make was me that movie, um... tried to shake me, but I was like, no, 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 I know you're better than that. What's up? Was was that movie set in the eighties? I think even like the. Uh... The time period was kind of set early mid seventies, mid seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It starts out yeah. with uh, Papa just, was a Rolling Stone. That's how it, it kicks there off. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Shane Black, I mean, I guess his connection was mostly with the first lethal weapon. Um, I guess he might've done the story on this, but it's, as far as the screenplay, but when you think about that and kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and the good guys, he really does have a way with these sort of like, uh, buddy comedies that were their cops you know yeah oh yeah 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 he knows how to write them and uh yeah. and he was also he knows how to write jokes because we saw that in predator or at least he knows how to That's tell right. jokes That's right. uh yeah. so uh so john you're gonna say lethal weapon one is better but you enjoyed lethal weapon two love it all right Pat? yeah it's, it's and i i love that they've got a good it's a good bad guy because joss ackland is like channeling Sidney Greenstreet, you know? <laughs> He's kind of like, you know, got that rumbling voice and that sort of like, you know, lizard-like uh, demeanor, you know? Yes. He's the perfect bad guy. Uh, if you're a fan of, uh, Jake has my DVDs right now, but Joss Acklin actually played a great uh, kind of villain in one of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes uh, episodes called The Copper Beaches. Oh, wow. He, he's, uh, yeah. Uh, he is fantastic in that too. 
But uh, yeah, and uh, you get to see a diplomatic community, and I love that they throw in like the whole message about apartheid and all that. You know, all mm. that is great. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they were they managed to do they managed to put in a political message and just make it fit seamlessly into the story. Um, yeah, hard to do. I thought that hard was yeah. It, you know, and uh, and then you get the great. Uh, I forgot that my friend had a huge crush. On Patsy Kensett at the time that this movie came mm. out, my, my buddy had a yeah. huge, my buddy Dan had a huge crush on her. She was, of course, from the English band Eighth Wonder. Else, was she an absolute beginner? I don't remember. She was in a band called Eighth Wonder. Don't remember any of their songs, but she was in that band, mm. and uh, she was in this movie, and she was uh, she was good. And, uh, much smaller part than I remember. I seem to remember her. By the way, did you notice we worked in a Thanksgiving movie because when he's hitting on her at the grocery store, there are Thanksgiving decorations up everywhere. So you're welcome. Welcome, guys. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, That's how I do it. That's how I do it. Uh, Patrick, what did you think, man? Lethal Weapon Dose. Um, this movie is a lot of fun. I hadn't seen it in a really long time, so I forgot about it. Um, but it has some great jokes in it. Uh, the toilet scene is probably one of the most touching but also funniest parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the scene when, uh, uh, Donald Glover walks into, or Danny Glover walks into the, um, uh, the consulate, uh, telling the guy he wants to go to South Africa and just how they're having that back and forth and then things just hit the fan and it's just so fucking funny. It's great. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a good buddy cop movie and one's more action packed and they really focus on the humor versus, the other, the first one, they're more about uh, kind of the emotional connection between the two and, you know, how he's struggling emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun movie. Um, I, the music kind of bugs me. I know it's like Lethal Weapon music, but it doesn't quite fit in some parts that they're playing. Oh, the David Sanborn, that, that, Eric Clapton kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it was okay. It didn't bother me a lot, but there's just moments where I'm like, mm, okay, so, like, the music doesn't fit the scene, but um, it's a fun movie, and I I, I think I, I forgot it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, tell me one thing yeah, you've learned about the drive-through. Tell, tell me something you've learned about the drive-through because mm-hmm. of this movie. Would you say I lost you for a sec? I said, tell me what you learned about the drive-through because of this movie. <laughs> Don't ever go to the fucking drive through <laughs> Why is that? Because <laughs> I'll fuck you in the drive They fuck you in the drive through They fuck you in the drive through Yeah. <laughs> so Pesci was great in this. Like I, 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 I don't even remember Lethal Weapon three and four. So I'm excited if we get to them. Lethal. Uh, seeing uh, him again. It, it. Let me tell you something. Whatever you want, Leo gets. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay, okay, he's okay. a fun character, and I, I like that he's not like a complete scumbag. He's kind of neurotic, and he's trying to do things for the right reason mm-hmm. at the same time. So he's kind of like he's kind of like Charles Gordon's character in Midnight Run, stole money from the from the these guys. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. a yeah. little bit. I think he's a little bit more of a skeezball, but a little bit. You know, I mean, he was stealing it for himself, but you know, at least, but at least he was he was yeah. stealing it from a racist regime. So it's okay, it's okay. Um, yeah, true, true. <laughs> It's, it's always, that's always allowed. That's yeah. always allowed. Uh, Jake, what did you think? Lethal Weapon 2, man. Uh, story-wise, I do like the first one a little bit more. That one's got a little bit more weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is just non-stop the entire movie. 
just keep action, action, action. It's like every, I feel like every scene, there's someone dying. There's <laughs> someone, being held, someone being held at gunpoint. Someone, you know, someone shitting on, shitting over a bomb. There's like, there's always something. <laughs> there is always something happening. In the second, every time you like, you think you get a little bit of breather room, like, nope. Nope, here comes a helicopter love to shoot scene. up your trailer. Yeah, love scene in the trailer. Nope, there's a helicopter. <laughs> uh, did you like it, though? Was that good or bad? Do you think that's good for the movie or bad for the movie? It was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun movie. Very roller coastery. And I mean, that's, that's kind of how a lot of like those action movie franchises start off. The first couple ones were like, oh, you know, this is really good. And then after a while, there's no, you know. They have to jump the shark at some point. They're I, just going to have to. I think the one advantage that Lethal Weapon has is, aside from the first two, they kind of wait in between. There's some. There's some time. They're not just cranking these out. So you, they keep the right. relationship pretty much intact, and they're they're trying to come up with Which new. And, yeah, and they try to come up with new and bigger set pieces. So I don't feel like. I feel like the first one's probably the best, just speak for because it's the first, but the other three aren't. I think that it's a close tie for second with the other three. You know, they're, right. they're pretty they, they all they, they're pretty consistent throughout the, the the series. So that is one good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason there's four. Yeah, just Riggs and Murtaugh. There's such a great chemistry between those two, and it's, it doesn't really matter where they are, what they're doing. You just want to see more of them. They're just yeah, just a great uh, great. Uh, Great dynamic duo, and it kind of says something about their their and how well they're written. Where you can add a Joe Pesci, and it doesn't really take anything away. Yeah, where it doesn't really take any. It kind of enhances that. You no, know? he fit in nicely. Yeah, because they're like the mom and the dad now, and they got to watch this guy. Uh, did you guys notice that there were a lot of uh, characters that we've seen around as police officers in the so like. One mm-hmm. one of the cops, the 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 female police officer, is uh, it's Vasquez from um, from Aliens. I noticed a lot of people from Aliens. Yeah, it's the- also yeah, the Terminator stepmom, mm-hmm. Terminator John Connor stepmom. That's right. That's right. We'll see her in in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, a lot of good cast. A lot of a lot of great people. Josh Ackland, you're right. John was great. How he missed out on being a Bond villain, I don't know. He would have made a great Bond villain. Yeah, how is it? How is it possible that he's never played like Blowfield or something? <laughs> no, he was who good. Was the, who was the first cop in that in that montage of murder that happened? How does he go? How does he? How does he get taken out? Uh oh, Jesus! Is he hanging upside down? He's hanging upside down. Yeah. Oh, what's his I name? recognize him from somewhere. I can't remember his name. We've seen him in a lot of stuff. I've recognized most of those stuff. Yeah, they're all in other stuff. They've all gone uh, on to other stuff. It's uh, Grandel Bush. He was in Die Hard. Uh, what else was he in? That's right. Let me look. Let me look. He's the... Um, isn't, he, isn't he Agent he's Johnson? He's Agent Johnson, right? In, uh, in, in Die Hard? Yeah, in Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agent Johnson. Agent Johnson. No relation. Right. That's right. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in License to Kill. Oh, that's right. He was the other. Was the other? He, 
He was in License to Kill. He was in uh, Demolition Man. Oh, hold on a second, guys. I got to I got to pause real quick. I'm going to pause. This will not affect the people at home. Welcome back to the Superiority mm. Complex, even though we didn't go anywhere. Uh, we were talking about Lethal Weapon uh, Dose. And uh, what do you have to say for yourself, uh, uh, everybody? What do you guys want to rank this one? Uh, let's rank it. Yeah, let's rank it. We were talking about, we were talking about actors, and uh, you found the, the gentleman who was in uh, Die Hard and uh, License to Kill, License to Kill. He was the other DEA agent in License to Kill, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he's the one who's talking to Bond mm-hmm. uh, in the like town square area. Oh, yeah. Tell him to fuck off. Yep, pretty yep, much. Yep, 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 yep. Um, all right, guys, let's rank it. John, what do you rank Lethal Weapon two? I give it uh, a six. Oh, six. But I would, um, I would go back. I would go back and give the first one like a seven if I was able to do that. Okay. Too bad. <laughs> Uh, Patrick, if, if Pat- I was able to, Patrick, what do you say, buddy? Uh, seven and a half, seven point five. Jake, mm. I'll give this a seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go same here. It's gonna be a solid seven for me. Solid seven. Uh, All right. Like the, the relationships, there's some good stunt work. You get some guy get murdered by a surfboard. Everything you could, everything you could ever oh, get a toilet bomb. Get a toilet bomb, and of course the toilet bomb. I forgot that Joe Pesci was in this. For some reason, I thought. Let me rephrase that: emotional toilet bomb. I I thought that I thought that Joe Pesci comes in in the third one. For some reason, I forgot that this was where he made his appearance. So, um, because on the third one, they start putting him on the posters. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, we get Renee Russo starting in the next one, and then then she's a good addition too. Yeah, like they they really figured this franchise out. So, um, so they they you know it's it's like uh, you know. It's diminishing returns, but it's minimal diminishment. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to anybody? Anybody and everybody? All right, guys, let's move on to uh, what can only be described as a modern classic. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Patrick, do you want to give us the uh, breakdown on Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, This 1988 film released on June 22nd. Uh, directed by one Robert Zemeckis. Got a 7.7 on IMDb, 97% on Rotten Tomato, with a budget of $70 million. It grossed $329 million worldwide. Almost quadrupled its money. This was a success. Now, what's weird to me, John, is that Patrick and Jake have never lived in a world where Roger Rabbit didn't exist. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> and you and I lived a good portion of our lives with uh, without a Roger Rabbit, and now he's just become <laughs> he he has become as famous as the other cartoons in the movie, which is you know which That's like right. like you know the the classic cartoon characters in the movie. He's now just as, as, as much of a part of that as anyone mm-hmm. else, which is, which is weird to think, but um, it goes to show you uh, what a good job that they did with this movie. The Robert Zemeckis did when this came out, yeah. this was, uh, it was one of those, Hey, how did they do that kind of things? And this is back in the, this is back in the days of hand-drawn animation, very little computer stuff going on and lots and lots of physical effects. So, um, yeah. Part of the fun of going to see it in the movie theater was uh, trying to figure out, 
trying to pick out all the cameos from all the other cartoon characters. But yeah. aside from that, what they did is they actually made a really, watching it again after having not seen it so long, the dialogue is great. It's a great takeoff on a 40s detective story. It's basically Chinatown, but with cartoons in it, if you think <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. it, it's basically and uh, what a great job uh, Bob Hoskins did because that's hard to do it's hard to play against you know some some invisible cartoons that you're not going to see until much later so um, yeah uh, I was really impressed watching it again but let's let's let's, let's talk to the kids here uh, Jake was this a movie that you grew up watching the old Who Frame Roger Rabbit? I've seen oh yeah I've seen this quite a bit mm-hmm had Quite the crush on Miss Jessica Rabbit. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Well, I was more into Lena, but uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is—I mean, on top of it being just a revolutionary movie when it comes to practical effects and animation, they're just a great movie. Yeah, really. It's, what what makes what makes this movie so this awesome is the fact that a lot of the animation is grounded in some form of physicality whether it's the penguins walking around holding plate holding platters and handing out drinks to i mean that's usually a lot of them they'll be holding something or you know they'll be pushing or moving something and something in the scene moves it just makes it makes everything feel grounded in a premise that shouldn't necessarily feel very grounded what I always what I what always strikes me is you know the the big scene that people always um, point to when they you know talk about blending live action and animation is uh, the scene from Mary Poppins where Dick Van Dyke is dancing with the penguins, and then you look at something. This is you know twenty five years later. You have this movie come along, and it's night and day. It's night and day, and some of those effects still hold up much better than they did. You know. 25 years before I think you know you're looking at this is like a quantum leap as far as really getting it down to the details like the smallest details the way like you said the physicality the way things move when they're affected by the tunes you know uh you know the plates coming off of the 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 counter and and or you know the guns that are being held in midair or you know the the stuff that's flying around, you know, that what, what really struck me is the little fight scene that they have when, uh, when Bob Hoskins is knocking out the weasels that I looked at that. It's seamless. It's flawless. Just the way it all comes together with all the physical effects. So you're right, Jake. Um, I think it's just, you know, when you look at that, it's easy to get caught up in the animation and forget the other, you know, the, the physical stuff around it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it, it lets you, it lets you focus on the story more. Than to focus on, you know, what doesn't what what doesn't look right or what doesn't look like it fits. Mm-hmm. Where it all, it all just kind of blends seamlessly. You could just sit back and enjoy the movie. Yeah. Now, does it? Let me ask you this: Watching this again after having seen some of the movies that we've watched, did you have a different uh, appreciation for the story, or was it pretty much you know? Did you notice anything that you hadn't noticed before? Anything like that? No, I mean, I always love good detective movies. They're as cheesy as they are. They're always fun to watch. And yeah, it's just a solid, it's just a solid detective story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. It really it's is always. a good, it's a very, it's a very good example of a noir plot. It's, 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 it's really good. Uh, I was 
watching that. They do kind of they do kind of throw a twist with Jessica Rabbit, how she kind of flips back and forth quite a bit. Mm, that that's typical of those movies, though. You never quite know if they're, no. you know, is she good? Is she bad? Think of like the Maltese Falcon or things like that. Um, that's true. Let's talk to Patrick. Patrick, you grew up watching this, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I watched this a lot when I was a kid. This movie is every child's dream of how they want their life to be. They want to be in a cartoon, um, and they want all of this ridiculous to happen mm-hmm. to them. And talk about a scary villain. Like judge, The judge in this movie is just terrifying. Christopher Lloyd does a wonderful job being incredibly creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as I've gotten older, like I, I appreciate this movie so much more for the technical aspects and how they did it and how they make it work. I watched a couple documentaries on this and like, for instance, uh, the scenes with Roger Rabbit, they would have a stand in, uh, like a physical dummy standing there. So like Bob Hoskins could be able to interact. Uh, but at the same time, the voice actor for Roger Rabbit would be dressed up and on the set too doing all of his lines at the same time. So he's has somebody to play off. And it's just fascinating. Like the way they did it is amazing. And it holds up to this day. There's not really any moments where you're kind of like, Oh yeah, this is rough. It like, you can tell really bad. It, it doesn't quite work. It still works to this day. And I have no complaints about this movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's, it's done in a way that it's intriguing. The story is interesting. The fact that you get to see, you know, multiple cartoon studios come together to make this movie is really cool. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it every time I see it. And then you, and they, they really captured the look. It's funny, Roger Rabbit cartoons, uh, if you look at, like, Warner Brothers cartoons from, like, the 40s and 50s, they had a very flat look, almost. And MGM, mm-hmm. like everything else MGM did, if you look at the Droopy cartoons or the Tom and Jerry cartoons from that era... They're almost a little more, they have a little more polish to them. And that's the way the Roger mm-hmm. Rabbit cartoon kind of looks. The Roger Rabbit cartoon has a very kind of a, kind of a vibrant color scheme to it. And uh, yeah. that looks like something that would have been made like in, you know, at, you know, at MGM or Disney uh, in, you know, those are the, the bigger studios at that time. So you, you start out with this animation and then the way it, it, you know, with a fridge and they open the fridge and there's Robert, you know, his head sticking out of it. It's a physical refrigerator. Uh, you know, it was just an, a wonderful introduction into that transition between the kind of that halfway between cartoon. Yeah. Like and- it slowly moves you into it and you're just like, Oh shit. Like this is a live action movie. If you'd started off watching this, not seeing any trailers, not seeing any, you know, like movie posters or anything like that. First two minutes, you're like, Oh, this is just a cartoon. Yeah. And it just, flips you on your ass and it works really really well it, you know that that fr- refrigerator moment is almost like a mini wizard of oz moment where it goes to color you know mm-hmm. where he opens it up and you know the yeah it, it immediately start interacting and it's just the small things like when when the when baby herman goes under the lady's skirt you know <laughs> like you see the skirt move and yeah and, yeah. and it's all these tiny little details that just add up and then, like when the window, when he jumps out the window and like his body frame still stays there and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's just it's it's fantastic. Uh it's so much work had to have gone into this. And then to get Oh yeah. And then to get like you said, there's a lot of studios. This is the first time we've ever seen Bugs and 
and Mickey Mouse on the same screen together. This is the first time we've seen Daffy and Donald Daffy together. And Donald across yeah. from each other. Uh, you know, it's just amazing to see. Uh, there's a lot, you know, for, for, I remember when John and I, John and I, you know, for us, this, this is like mind blowing. Cause it was like all the stuff we grew up watching these cartoons and to see them interact, even if it was just for a few seconds was like, well, there's something I never thought mm-hmm. I would see. And it, and what the nice thing about it is they just didn't do it for the sake of that. It, the whole movie could have just been that. And then it's like, Oh, we're done. Look, we got Mickey and bugs on the same screen or Donald and Daffy on the same screen. No, they went to the trouble of an interesting story. Yeah. They, they did it. They went to the trouble of, a, of adapting a, a story uh, that, that, uh, that, that was interesting and they could kind of do this Chinatown takeoff on it. And, and it works. It works really, really well. John, what do you think of this movie? My friend? Oh, always loved it. It's one of my all time favorites. And it's true. It works just as well today without all the CGI. It might even work better because it was shot with practical physical effects. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they got the right two guys for it because not only is Robert Zemeckis absolutely the right guy to direct it, but the guy that did the animation, Richard Williams, you couldn't have picked the better guy mm-hmm. because it's set in the because it's set in the forties. What they wanted was a style that looked like uh, they were looking for like Bob Clampett. And Tex Avery, that's the two styles they wanted. Really wild, rubbery, three-dimensional squash and stretch animation. And that's that's what they got with Richard Williams. And if what Richard Williams was mostly famous for was doing, at that time he was famous for doing commercials and uh, movie titles. So anybody who's seen a Pink Panther movie has seen some incredible animation at the beginning. When oh. they do the credits, it's always the Pink Panther doing yeah. Some elaborate credits mm-hmm. and he didn't do all those shorts. Those pink Panther shorts weren't done by him, but anytime you see the movies, they had these really elaborate, yeah. beautifully animated uh, title sequences. That was always Richard William. So um, that's who they wanted. They say it's gotta be somebody who's really uh, can make the animation look lifelike, but can make it look real forties like. And I think he was the expert in making it look like an old Warner brothers or like you say, MGM, cartoon that opening cartoon is just wonderful the surface of the the kitchen floor looks like a tom and jerry that's what i was chasing around the kitchen that's what i was saying john Uh like like at at the time warner brothers was a little bit of a lower but they they didn't have a lot of budget for their animation stuff so their stuff kind of looked flat it was all of the all of the stuff was in the characters and in the writing with warner brothers uh, but MGM had yeah. MGM had a lot of money. They were the they were the they were the money studio. So even their cartoons had a certain yeah. polish to them, had a certain look. They, yeah. they, they seem more like the. What, what struck me about watching the cartoon in the beginning was how vast the kitchen looked. That was a very MGM thing. You know, Tom and Jerry would be running around these these. It wasn't like Warner Brothers again. Not a knock against Warner Brothers, but it would be you'd be going through the same backgrounds as you ran through the house, you know, it'd be the same door. You'd yeah. pass the same door. Yeah. Five. Warner brothers, it always, or uh, MGM always looked at a, a more of a, a vast look. Like it felt like they were in a big kitchen. It felt like they were to scale. It felt like Tom and Jerry were to scale in these big yeah. kitchens where you didn't always get that in Warner brothers cartoons. You know, everything was kind of fit the story or whatever, however yeah. you needed it to work. And uh, yeah, it felt yeah. like a money. MGM with the, yeah. They spent a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's funny because Tex Avery left Warner Brothers and went to MGM mm-hmm. and the budgets were much bigger. Mm-hmm. His whole thing was he didn't even need a big budget because his stuff was so wild, you know, uh, that he, he flourished wherever he went. But he definitely could take advantage of the budget when he had it at MGM. Yeah. And uh, somebody said that when he went to MGM, that's where uh, 
that's where Hannah and Barbera were, and they, they were doing all the Tom and Jerry's. And uh, somebody said there got to be a competition because the Tex Avery stuff was so wild and so violent that uh, the Tom and Jerry's, they sort of upped the ante on the violence and the craziness because suddenly they had Tex Avery at the same studio and they had to kind of up the ante a little bit. So they <laughs> say you start seeing some really crazy action in the Tom and Jerry's because they're kind of like, oh, yeah, top that, you know. Oh, nice. So that whole thing at the beginning is just beautiful with all the all the knives, you know, and just wonderful stuff. All that craziness where you think he's going to fall off the refrigerator onto the knives mm-hmm. and then the knives go into the wall and all that chasing around with the uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, vacuum cleaner. Just amazing. Just amazing. And you're right. It's a great thing when he opens the door and suddenly now you're in real life. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's this big cartoon refrigerator and he opens the door and there you are. You're in you're in real Hollywood. Nineteen you know, 45 or whatever. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just conceptually that they're all working as actors, like tunes working as actors in these, you know, animated shorts. It's just, it, it's so, it's such an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That it's just, uh, that that's, and also that it's almost feels like it's the other side of the tracks. They go, Oh, that's Toontown. It's almost like it's the ghetto. Like, Oh, yeah. you don't want to go in there. You know, it's like the way they kind of like, it was a little bit under the radar, the way they're going, yeah, it's a tune, you know, how they are, you know? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, um, it's more, it's like another layer of social commentary on top of all the, uh, yeah. that thing with the red cars is very much like Chinatown, that they're, and everyone's heard those stories that, you know, that's how they got rid of the red car. It was the, the tire companies and the car companies and the gas companies, you know? And um, so that was a perfect sort of uh, twist the on that uh on why you know judge doom wants to do what he's doing you know uh he does it all work it, it is great that he has a little callback to uh he has a little callback to back to the future and peabody's farm when he says there'll be tire salons and billboards as far as the eye can see uh it's so great mm-hmm. uh but yeah you're right and then he goes it'll be beautiful <laughs> <laughs> jake is right though he what a great cartoon villain or no i'm sorry who was it patrick jake patrick patrick what a great villain. Uh, so good at being menacing. And then when he's got the eyes and he's just doing that weird voice and all that stuff is just fantastic. Like yeah. He starts out as an asshole and you're like, okay, this guy's just a dick. And then later on, like, you're like, okay, holy shit. This is just a horrible, horrible person. And then finally it's like, oh shit, it's a crazy tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I think Robert Zemeckis told him, uh, he said, let's try something. Don't blink. I think you'll be even men- more menacing. If you never blink when we're shoot, when we're filming you, yeah. don't blink. And they said, yeah, that makes you much more menacing. <laughs> oh, but good. my favorite scene, I think my favorite line is um, when they're hiding Roger in, in, behind the bar. And um, he's just gotten through doing that crazy dance, you know, to the merry-go-round breaks down and busting the, all the plates mm-hmm. on his head. And I, my favorite line in the whole movie is when Judge Doom walks in, everybody freezes he looks down at the phonograph and goes, Merry Go Round broke down. Quite a loony selection for a bunch of drunken reprobates. <laughs> John, why is there a guy just like Tom Mix? Go. Oh, who knows? Uh, because he's an extra. He works in Hollywood. He's probably an extra, you know. Great, John. I think they even reference that. I, I think never... there might be like somebody mumbles under their voice, under his, their breath that he's out of work or something, you know. I never put that together. Thanks, John. Uh, I really didn't. I love, and you know, uh, Joanna, Joanna Cassidy's great as the girlfriend. Yes. Talk about, you know, pulling the short straw in this movie because everyone's mm-hmm. just thinking of Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit's just, it pretty much what you leave the theater thinking about is how impossible Jessica Rabbit is as a female. 
But uh, Joanna Cassidy does a great job as the girlfriend, I think, you know, she's really uh, good. When you see that they had a relationship and uh, that things went south when his brother died. I just think, you know, that's the real thankless job in this movie. By the way, you let's know? let's give a shout out to uh, Alan Silvestri. What a great score, uh, especially that little like oh, m- that mournful mm-hmm. trumpet. Uh, uh, re- this is really like the golden age of uh, Alan Silvestri, who, you know, we we've heard him in, in Predator now. And, and what a great score here. Um, uh, yeah. it's very evocative of the era and, uh, and really, really good, really well done. Um, it, it does sort of, uh, it gives you a kind of, a, a, the, the Chinatown vibe. His soundtrack gives you the Chinatown vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John is, did, I can't remember who did Chinatown, but that's, that's Jerry Goldsmith. Soundtrack. Jerry Goldsmith, I believe did. There you uh, go. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. I, I can't, we could probably talk about this all day, John, cause you and I both love animation and, uh, and there's a lot to, to dive into, but, uh, it, it is a, it, I hadn't watched you're this. Right. It, you, you're right. It, it, it was amazing to see, um, what you said is absolutely on the money. It was so weird and cool to see bugs and Mickey in the same scene and, uh, Donald and uh, Daffy in the same scene. It's just, uh, that was a real mind blower just to see those characters sharing screen time, you know? Yeah. And, uh, just great. I just love how he says, Daffy goes, can anybody understand what this duck is saying? I can't make out a word he's saying. It's <laughs> like a speech impediment. <laughs> John, did you, did you spot any weird, uh, I, I always watch the Toontown scenes to see if I can spot anything. You know, there's some, like the reluctant dragon is in there and there's some, there's some characters. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is there should have been no Wiley e. Coyote cause it's 47. Uh, sorry guys, but I'm a purist. Yeah. Um, you know what they said? They said uh, they bent the rules in a couple places. Even with the Disney movies, you see um, Snow White, Pinocchio. You see some of the characters from Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And you see Bambi. They really tried not to go much further than like what forty seven, mm-hmm. forty eight. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. they set. I think they bent the rules for a couple characters. What was really cool was seeing Betty Boop, and she's in black and white. Yes, and. It's kind of a sad moment where she goes, I still got it. And he's all, yeah, Betty, you still got it. (laughs) And uh, you you go, oh, yeah, here's an old tune. Here's what happens to an old black and white tune. She's waiting on tables at the club. She's not the big uh, star anymore. I think the only two characters they tried to get and couldn't, uh, they negotiated with all the studios. They could not get the rights to Popeye and they couldn't get the rights to Tom and Jerry. But they said they got just about everybody else. That they oh, that's right. Well, they and, got Droopy, um, which is weird. So Droopy's in there, but not Tom and Jerry. Um, MG, you know, working with MGM properties is always tough because it's kind of convoluted. MGM was Droopy and Tom and Jerry. I don't know why they couldn't get Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry might have been owned by somebody else at that point. Hmm. But it was great not to see Droopy. Uh, yeah, you know who you didn't. And here's here's a little. Here's a little trivia, bit of trivia. When you see Droopy in the elevator and he says going down, they uh, the guy that did the voice is the animator. It's it's uh, Richard Williams doing the, uh, wow. doing the voice of Droopy. Uh, I, th- I believe Felix the Cat, you have to look closely. I believe Felix the Cat has a cameo. Not He's not moving, but he's, he is in there. he's on the tunnel. He's like a picture on the tunnel oh, yeah. going into Toontown. Right. He's, uh, his, little, his little head is on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's some, some nice... That's uh, right. And then, you know, of course, Acme being, you know, the giant company that provides, you know, all of the gags was great. Um, yeah. There's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of great moments in here. And uh, if you're an animation fan, it's fun to try to pause it and see uh, 
see all the uh you know when they first open the when you first see the wall break into toontown and there's like the trees from it's from the disney short i forgot what it was the it's from one of the early disney shorts um uh, the flower in the trees yeah yeah all those and all that stuff and like all the characters from fantasia fantastic uh i love it and uh the great original characters too like eddie the cab and and roger rabbit and jessica i mean they're they're eddie the cab is fantastic um and you you got to give a shout out to um Charles Fleischer because he was he did the voice of Roger Rabbit and Benny the Cab. So you got Benny the Cab. I'm sorry, him. not Eddie the Cab, Benny the Cab. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm dying they're, here. They're I, both uh, Charles Fleischer. Yep. I've been dipped. And I think this is the last um this is the last time Mel Blanc was around to do uh Bugs and Daffy. I think he passed away shortly after the movie came out. So this uh, is his last well, shot doing in, his character. I get to, you get to hear June, June foray for a real quick second. A uh, man. That's right. Lena, Lena, the hyena. Yeah. Oh man. And how about Kathleen Turner doing Jessica rabbit? Could there have been a better voice for Jessica? Exactly. Rabbit? Perfect film noir voice. Uh, by the way, did you, the bullets were Andy divine and who else? Uh, it was at Buttram. Pat Butcher. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't do a Walter Brennan bullet. Yeah. Um, he was probably gone. I think but. maybe there was a Walter Brennan bullet. Uh, we'll have to look that up. I don't know. I, I think there was there was somebody doing Andy Devine. I think he'd already passed on, but there's somebody doing Andy Devine. And it's so good that you think it is Andy Devine, yeah. you know? Pat Buttram. But you... I think Pat Buttram was one of them. Pat Buttram, Jim Cummings. Those are the only two I see. Hmm. 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 I love that scene when uh, Yosemite Sam goes, ah, my biscuits are burning. That's it. They get to see a little Yosemite <laughs> Sam in there. Good stuff. What a great, uh, and all of the Bugs Bunny and Daffy look like their 40s counterparts. They look like they're, they look like they yes. did in the 1940s, which is cool. On the money. Which Big is cool. On the money. Yeah. Um, and so does Mickey. Mickey changed a little bit from the 30s, and obviously from the 20s, when he was more two-dimensional. He looked yeah. the same in forty. Um, and I do love that Roger Rabbit's a big fan of Goofy. I think that's so funny. He's like, <laughs> he's like the finesse, the grace. He's better than Goofy. <laughs> the finesse, the grace. Like he's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like you know, it's like Keaton watching Chaplin or something. You know, it's like he's like, oh look, yeah. like yeah. he really <laughs> admires him. You know, like oh wow, nobody takes a what is he, nobody takes a wallop like Goofy. You know. And you know, and the thing is, Goofy's an idiot, and you're just thinking, "Wow, here's a guy. It's it's done on purpose. It's great. It's like that whole he's an he's a real actor. He's a real live actor. And there's another actor kind of critiquing, critiquing his work. You know, uh, I love it. There's so much. Has anyone read the book Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Has anyone read that? Is I've, I don't know anyone who's read it. Mm-mm. What is that about? Well, same I think, story. Or I think. Is we, it- I think- no, you know what? It's completely. It's completely. It's completely different. I haven't read it, but it's about comic strip characters, not cartoon animated characters. So, um, it's a it's a whole different it's a whole different vibe. It's not about the red car. All that stuff was written later. They kind of just paid him for the concept, and um, I don't think they used much of the book at all. Wow, I didn't know that. All right, I think there was litigation because he thought he should have been paid more money. But I think when you get right down to it, I haven't read the book, but I from what I hear, it's it's a whole different. Uh, it's kind of a different situation that it's more like comic script characters. Uh, John, by the way, uh, where do you put this as far as a period piece? Do you feel it's, they do enough 
uh, to make it feel like the 40s oh, yeah. for you? Yep. Oh, yeah. For, and for, yeah, for sure. I mean, with the red car and the costumes and all that. But it's it's heightened reality. It's almost like uh, you wouldn't judge singing in the rain too harshly because it's uh, beyond well, being a period piece. It's kind of like a heightened reality stylization of that period. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my only my only knock is it uh, again, and it's because you're spending so much money. Other words, it's always I always feel like a lot of it was shot. Uh, a lot of the street scenes are feels like a studio, but uh, that's and okay. they, they probably are. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not mad. I mean, it's just, that's the only thing that's the only drawback. Nah. I would have loved to see. Hey, let's make up the street. You know, let's make up Broadway to look like Fort. But it, you know, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. So uh, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I I, I I love it. Uh, it was it, it, this movie held up. I hadn't seen it in years, and it held up. And I was I was taken by how much good dialogue there is. And like in the tradition of all the best cartoons, there's a lot of jokes. Uh, there's a lot of jokes for adults that go over the kids' heads. You know, I had yeah. to sh- I had to shake the weasels. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, playing pa- playing patty cake literally. You know, making patty cake yeah. a literal thing. Uh, John, what do we know yeah. Stubby K from? Uh, I think he was in the original Guys and Dolls, if I'm not mistaken. He might might have been in the original movie of Guys and Dolls. Okay. Uh, but I can't think of what the character was. All right. I uh, think he did that song. There's a big song out of that called uh, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. I think that was him. Uh, he probably looked Cats the same. Blue, Guys and Dolls, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Little Abner, Sweet Charity. Hmm. I did a lot of musicals. He's a, he's a musical all- guy. That's all musicals. He must have been a musical comedy guy, yeah. Yeah. But he's he's perfect. You know, the casting in this is perfect. And another shout-out for voiceovers. One of the weasels, it's uh, David L. Lander. Yeah. Uh, alias Squiggy. Yeah, it's Squiggy. And uh, uh, so great. You know, the whole thing with the booby trap, you know, when he gets the bear trap on his mm-hmm. hand, you know. <laughs> uh, shout-out to Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins is great. Uh, oh, really, right. really mm-hmm. good having to interact with uh, you know with all this stuff. So really good. I mean, you, you, you know, it's hard to pull off, but uh, so good at. You like, know what he said? Hmm. He said the the way he uh, he couldn't figure out how he was going to play uh, against things that weren't there, and then he was watching his kids in the backyard playing with like imaginary uh, friends, and he said they believe it a hundred percent. They're looking right at him, and he said, "Well, I guess that's what I got to learn to do. They believe it's there." That's what I got to do. That's right. If it's there, you know. He also said his son wouldn't talk to him for the first two weeks after he started filming the movie because he wouldn't introduce him to any of the cartoon characters. Wow. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. is amazing. I can believe that. His son bought into it. That's fantastic. That is great. Wow. Wow. that is, dude. I, yeah, I, I really was. It was great to sit down and watch this again. From, from me, I hadn't seen it in a long time. Oh, we just lost, uh, we just lost Patrick. Okay, we're, we're okay. back from our technical difficulty. Apologies to Patrick. We lost him there. We hit the two hour mark on anchor. Uh, so let's uh, go ahead and rank this, guys, because I just realized I have somewhere to be in a few minutes. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Whoa. We're gonna, we're gonna rank. Let's uh, not hold you. Let's not hold you. Yeah. Let's go with Dan, handsome Dan, handsome himself. Jake, what is your ranking? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Nine. Nine. Perfect. Patrick? Uh, yeah, it's a nine. Nine from uh, from Patrick and John Sandy? I give it a 10. John Sandy's going to give it a 10. Nice, John. Nice. 
Uh, I'm going to give it, uh, hmm, you know, for no reason, I have no reason not to give it a 10, but it doesn't hit 10 in my, in my, in my, in my personal, what am I trying to say? It's not a 10 for me. I don't know why it's not a 10, but it's, I'm going to give it an, I'm going to give it an eight. It's an eight. Wow. Who frame Roger Rabbit? Hey, eight is good, man. Eight is, once you hit an eight, you're, you're, eight is creeping into that those are some of my favorite movies are eight and up so eight is up there there you go you know what i mean i just don't feel the need there to you, re- I, you know what i think it is john i don't feel the need to revisit this movie a lot so i think if i watched it mm-hmm. more if i if i watched it more if i if i was more des- if i had more of a desire to see it more it'd probably be a higher ranking for me i think that's what it is i can mm-hmm. watch it every i could watch it i could wait five years and be okay and see it again and be like oh yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i think i think i'd probably see it every five years Whereas, and uh, but when I do, it's always, it always knocks me out. Yeah, well, so. the, yeah. The tens for me, the tens for me are movies that I want to like. I'll finish watching and go, "Hey, I need. I'm going to watch this again." You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I think that's what it is for me. But yeah, no, that that's a respectful, good, good, solid score for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right uh, and it's on Disney right Plus on. right now. If you want to check it out. So for next week, we have uh, coming up. We have a double feature. We're going to book in the eighties. We're going to have one of John's all time favorite movies, Diner. Barry Levinson's Diner, and uh, one of mine and my wife's, one of my, listen, it's my favorite romantic comedy. I'm not a big rom-com guy, but if you have to watch one, this is the one to watch. It's amazing. Uh, Rob Reiner, uh, and it's uh, When Harry Met Sally. So that's for next week, guys. So join us then next week. So until then, guys, thanks for joining us. We miss you, Justine. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of weeks, Justine, when it's James Bond time. That's right. Uh, oh, she's gonna hate us. She's gonna love it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna tell her either. Like, no, I'm no, no. Let her. Let, let her hear it. Let her listen. And if she doesn't listen, we'll know next yeah. week. We'll know next week. That's right. That's so, right. All right, so for Patrick, for Jake, for John, for the dudes, it was a dude week. A lot of a lot of testosterone this week, guys. We really boy, huh? Hmm. Yeah, that's right. We're manly men, (laughs) (laughs) guys. Men, dudes, being men, bros, bros being bros. So for being bros, for the bros and for myself, we will say, uh, fight the power. Hopefully, we won't have to say that too much longer. And uh, this transmission ends now.